Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Hometown Roofing Pop and Pony Podcast. Presented by Hometown Roofing. Put your trust in us. And powered by Bowser Chevrolet. Here's Bob Pompiani from KDKA-TV and Andrew Filipponi from 93.7 The Fan. Welcome to another edition of the Pomp and Pony Podcast. Bob Pompiani, Andrew Filipponi, and we are honored. Andrew, I can't think of another word, honored to have with us our, our next uh, guest, and that would be Hockey Hall of Famer, one of the best broadcasters that I've ever listened to, Mr. Doc Emmerich from, you know, he's got Beaver County ties, so therefore he's, he's even more special of all the guests we've had. Doc, I can't tell you how happy we are to have you on. Thank you. It's great to talk to you. Yes, I was uh, I was working in Beaver Falls at Geneva College when Armstrong Cork was still operating. <laughs> I remember <laughs> at that. the bottom of the hill. Yep, we were at the top of the hill. They were at the bottom, wow. and we were good neighbors. I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and your career started there. You were teaching what speech and broadcasting. Yeah, that's right. 1969. Joe Namath had just uh, made Beaver Falls pretty famous a couple of years before. Once in a while, he would come back to see his mom, and that would be a monumental day in Beaver. All right, let's talk about it, Doc. You made a decision last year. I want to start there just because um, you uh, did the play-by-play from home, which had to be a unique experience because of this pandemic. And uh, I, I don't know if that factored into your decision to retire. I mean, to me, I was that was just such a disappointing day when I heard that because I thought, man, you still, you have your game still after all these years, um, what went into that decision and did the pandemic play a role in it? No, I suppose, uh, you know, as you think back, it probably did some, but it wasn't necessarily because of that. I, I didn't really feel tired or sick or anything. NBC had assured me that uh, whatever I wanted to do in terms of the playoffs, I could do. And uh, I wasn't really in the, in the mode of taking any risks and flying or doing anything like that. And so they allowed me to work from home, which was wonderful of them. And now it's not unusual to work from home or from some isolated studio anymore. It's not anything novel, but uh, there were a lot of round numbers. And from the time I walked at Civic Arena as uh, as the evening uh, reporter covering the Penguins for the Beaver County Times in <laughs> 1970 with Red Kelly as coach of the Penguins, uh, that was 60 years and and uh, it was 40 of doing NHL games on television. And there were a lot of round numbers in there, and I still had my health, and it just seemed like the right time. And I, I haven't missed it. I've missed the people. 
and I still watch games every night, just like I did back when I was memorizing names and numbers off the TV screen for upcoming games and preparing for them. But it's a different kind of preparation now than it used to be. But uh, I, I do miss the people, but I don't miss the airplanes and the hotels and all of that, even though the people that were taking care of me during all those years were very nice. Uh, that, that travel wore a little thin. And, uh, but the play-by-play ship has sailed, and NBC has still allowed me to do some essays, which is nice. Doc, when you're watching a game, do you just watch and take in what you see? Or do you find yeah, yourself now. thinking about what, what – okay, I would say it this way or I would describe the action this way. I wonder how that would um, work for you. Oh, no, you don't do that anymore, and I don't, I don't look at names and numbers anymore. The first couple of games after I'd retired, well, I was saying, oh, yeah, 58 Latang, okay. But that was what I was doing all those years, watching games at home, because it was really rehearsing for yeah. – the upcoming games and teams that I had don't do that anymore. So you don't catch yourself doing play by play while you watch. Cause Bob, you do that. No, you do that. You oh, put I out videos all the time. Yeah, that's <laughs> I do. I yeah. do. I'm not allowed anymore, there was but I do. A time, <laughs> yeah. You guys would probably because you're still active. Mm-hmm. There was a time that I would do that and I would, I would formulate the words and sometimes I'd turn the sound down just to, just to practice, but not anymore. I, I enjoy it a lot, and I enjoy the work of other people. But I find myself watching the trailing winger moving up on the play and things like that that I never did before because it was picking up numbers off of sleeves and uh, making sure that I had names down. It was more of a rehearsal for an upcoming game than it was anything else. But I could sure see how you guys would, would do that because you're still active. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Doc. In your own words, what made you – so good at what you did oh i don't know i i leave that up for other people to try to figure out i don't know i really liked what i did i enjoyed being at the rink and i enjoyed being around the players and coaches and the other people in the media business that you'd hang around with during practice it was a fun way to go to work and whenever i get a chance to talk to people like i tom mcmillan would invite me over to point park once uh once a year to speak to the journalism classes over there and i'd encourage kids to get into it uh, i would also be realistic uh, about telling them that it was not an easy way to make a living in that that's it's highly competitive and all but it sure is worth it because you get in free <laughs> and you get a good seat for the game and you get to watch and work with the best athletes and and then you know twice a month you get something either deposited directly into your counter in the mail and it <laughs> And it is a fun way to go through life if you're one of the lucky ones that gets a chance to do it, like you guys did. Mm-hmm. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed being around the life, and I had a, a wife that is still with me after 42 years that understood that this was part of what I enjoyed doing, and uh, it helped pay our bills, too. And so I, I just count myself as very blessed to have done it. Doc, how much has your play-by-play style evolved over the years? If we put a tape on of you calling a game uh, from the late 70s or early 80s and compared that to the way you did it in your last few years as a broadcaster, what differences would we hear? Oh, it would be radical. I have talked to coaches about this, too, and they are all hybrids of the coaches that they played for as players Mm -hmm. when they start out. And then eventually they develop their own style through the trial and error of things that they 
that they learn as they become coaches themselves. And I think broadcasters are that way too. Uh, I think that, you know, some of the guys that I listened to when I was, when I was doing games to myself into a tape recorder, uh, that was the product of who I was when I first started out. So I think it would be quite different. And I spent so much time trying to do the perfect game and realized that's not possible. You're talking for three hours and it's spontaneous and you're just going to make mistakes and you can't kill yourself for it. Um, when he was uh, honored with the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Sports Emmys one year, Al Michaels said, this is not Hollywood. We don't get 25 takes at it. We only get one. Mm-hmm. And you live and die with it, but you also realize that that's what you bought into when you got into the business. And it brings a lot of joy to people, and, and you can salve your conscience with that, even when you make mistakes, that people do enjoy watching the games, and they enjoy watching the athletes. And that's the one thing I was always trying to be conscious of, that they're not there to take in the work of some sports announcer. They're there to watch what the athletes do. And back before uh, Fox came up in the early 90s with the bar across the top that had the time and score, they wanted to know the score. And yeah. so in the first, oh, 20 years of my broadcasting existence, uh, I could never give the time and score enough because it wasn't on the screen all the time. So people needed to know that. Doc, uh, would you get nervous? Oh, yeah, even near the end. Uh, there was a famous story of Wayne Gretzky in his last year playing for the Rangers in 98-99, and a kid got called up from Hartford, never played in the NHL before. He was pacing back and forth in the Rangers' locker room, and uh, Wayne looked up at him from his dressing stall before the game and said, are you nervous, kid? And he said, yeah, yeah, I am. And Gretzky said, I am too. <laughs> All of us are. But it's just a different, you know, it's a different level of nervousness than you have before you do it the first time. But, yeah, and I think if you ever get to the point where you're not a little bit jittery and a little bit anxious before an event, then, then uh, as the old saying goes, maybe that's the time that you've done too many. But, yeah, before that last game, game six between Tampa Bay and Dallas, yeah, I was restless. You, you, it's just it's part of uh, the joy that you realize after uh, even though it's not much fun to go to before. I'm sure goaltenders especially feel that. It's the Hometown Roofing Pop and Pony podcast powered by Bowser Chevrolet. Nobody has done more Stanley Cup championships and finals than, than Doc Emmert. Uh, Doc, I want to ask you about signature calls. We see it all the time in sports broadcasting from Al Michaels, Do You Believe in Miracles? You know, I talked to Jim Nance the other day, and I just complimented him on the Phil Mickelson defeats Father Time. He, of course, had one for the ages did you ever go into games thinking about things like that? And if so, which is your favorite one that you ever did? I didn't, but uh, there are a couple of times. Uh, Dick Enberg, another great broadcaster, said the best ad libs he ever had were written down. <laughs> and if you ever have anything like that, the best thing to do is to write it down. There are a couple of times that, uh, for example, for Stanley Cup clinch calls, you if it's a one-goal game, you are really trying to be too cute if you come up with something for that because usually the goaltender is pulled in the last minute. For example, when the Penguins won in 09 in Detroit in yep. Game 7, Nick Lidstrom had a chance to score and force overtime with a second and a half to go, and Marc-Andre Fleury came out and shrugged it away, and then the horn sounded. 
How would it have been if I had come up with something real cute to say about the Penguins winning the Stanley? You can't. All you can do is say what is obvious, the Penguins win the Stanley Cup. And so if you have a lopsided game that is going to be a clinch game, maybe you can detail something about the season. For example, when the Blues won Game 7 from the Bruins uh, two years ago, they had had a coach firing in November, yep. and Craig Berube had taken over, and the team was terrible. And then Jordan Bennington came on in January, and all of a sudden things turned around in goal and for the team. And they, they marched out of the basement practically in their division, and they won the whole thing, including going to Game 7. So you could document that in the final minute because they're, they're beating Boston by three or four goals, and so you know that that's secure. But when New Jersey uh, won in 95, that was one time that they had never had a franchise, pro franchise in the state of New Jersey that had ever won a championship. And they had won the first three games against Detroit. It looked as though they weren't going to lose the series, that maybe they'd even sweep. And so I had planned out the Stanley Cup to New Jersey. Uh, because it was significant for the state of New Jersey that they were going to win a championship at something, and the Devils win the Stanley Cup. So I wrote that out, because the last thing you want to do is, is you know, in the heat of the moment, mess it up forever, because as Al Michael said, you only get one chance. So I did write that one out. Yeah, it's, it's, it reminds me of Mike Lang. I talked to him about it, and the, the example you're giving is when the Penguins won. In fact, it was 30 years ago this week. Yep. Uh, it was an 8 nothing game, and by then you can come up with Lord Stanley, Lord Stanley, give me the brand. Oh, yeah. One of those kind it, of things. So that's an lopsided game. Forever. Yeah. It lives forever, and, and Mike is sensational at coming up with those. Doc, how about um, self-critiques? Do you go back and watch? Like, would you, when you were active, would you go back and even if it was a regular season game, or in this case, you know, the 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 the, the Stanley Cup Game Seven, do you go back and watch, and are you critical when you do so? Uh, in the early years, especially, I, I would do that. As the years went on, the number of games that at one year I did 152 games wow. in one season, it counted. Wow, uh, it counted Olympics, men's and women's, and all of that. And you you can't you don't have time. To, to go back over them. One thing you do is self-critique during the game. And sometimes, uh, for example, uh, it was about seven or eight years ago, I did eight games in ten days in eight different cities. And because <laughs> part of what you need to do is get there in time for the morning skate, because that's where you really pick up fresh things that you can use that night, uh, that meant being at the airport um, you know, in time to get through the metal detector to make the first flight so that you got there to the new city in time to make the 1030 and 1130 practices and chat with people. And it was all pleasant work, but uh, by the time you got to that eighth game, you couldn't kid yourself that you were going to do the efficient job that you did in the first one because, you know, human beings get tired. But uh, the, the main thing is that um, you, you really um, are trying to do the best job you possibly can. And a lot of that is, is portraying the athletes, hopefully, in the best light, because they, they are highly skilled at what they do. 
So I want to ask you this, Doc. What what is on the agenda for you now? And I know you talked about your wife, and that is an amazing commitment. I know <laughs> those of us. Andrew yep. has a wonderful wife. I do too. Uh, and, and they have to understand the business. What's next for you? And aside from being a pirate fan, and what do you do there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have the games on uh, during the summertime, but um, depending on the season and. Uh, after this past weekend, when they were outscored 33-3, to I don't pay quite the attention that I do some years. But uh, we um, pretty soon, once we get to the Stanley Cup final, uh, I have uh, two more essays that are due, and uh, they will be coming up here shortly. As a matter of fact, I have to do some of the writing this week. So um, uh, of 10 essays, I have eight completed, and I think all of them have aired by now. So I have two more to do, and so it's still homework right now and watching games and trying to piece together the best thing. And then once uh, we get to mid-July and the playoffs are over, then it will be summertime. And because NBC no longer has the rights, um, I am probably going to, for the first time, experience what retirement really is like. We enjoy camping and doing things like that. And now that Michigan, like other states, has started to loosen up a little bit pandemic-wise and we have our shots, why I think we're going to have a little more of a normal summer than we certainly did last year when we had games solid through August and September. Doc, uh, so I guess that means we won't get you in the Pirates broadcast booth. Darn it. <laughs> I was hoping for that, Bob, yeah. right? Let's I know Cook looks forward games. to it all the time. Uh, they were invited. They, they have invited me to do a virtual uh, uh, sit-in uh, on one of their broadcasts, and, and uh, I, will, I might do that uh, sometime during the summer. But I have, a, I have a preference for pup nights. We're big on dogs. And so uh, I've, I've actually communicated with Greg Brown about that and so perhaps I will appear on one of the nights that they have uh, that they have pups there, uh, because uh, I'm not sure whether our puppy will uh, wind up being on camera that night or not. But I think there's a way to do that with uh, uh, virtually. So I'm hoping for that anyway. I might might make an appearance once. Well, Doc, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you have been one of the most graceful people yep. uh, in sports broadcasting. I love your style. I love what you've been able to do, and I just congratulate you on such a wonderful career. Andrew and I are, are big fans. And, Huge. And, and it's it's great to know that you're doing well, and hopefully we'll see you again soon, and good luck in retirement. I know it's not going to be easy for someone who's a type A personality when it comes to work. <laughs> thank you. I look forward to that, and I have so many people that I admire in Pittsburgh, yourselves included, that hopefully I'll get back there. Uh, we both like to travel there, and it wasn't like Joyce was terribly isolated during all those years. One of the places that we would come to where we both enjoyed was was coming to Pittsburgh. Nice people there, and so hopefully we'll be able to get back. Thank you, Doc. Thanks, Doc. Appreciate it, man. Really thank do. You. All the best to you. Okay, thanks. You've been listening to the Hometown Roofing Pomp and Pony Podcast. Hometown Roofing, put your trust in us. And powered by Bowser Chevrolet. Join us each week for another Hometown Roofing Pomp and Pony Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.